0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations. I'm here as always with my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Mr. Jeff Luddington. And we want to thank you. We asked our listeners a couple weeks ago to submit some questions. We had some technical issues, we cleared them up, we announced last week that it was all good to go, and some people kind of came out of the woodwork and said they had sent questions a while ago and we'd never seen them. So we got a good number of questions, but we still would like to get more. So if you have a question you'd like us to address, questions at generations.email, we actually are seeing them now, so keep sending them. Uh, today's question from the classroom actually comes from a classroom, but it wasn't from a student. It's it from a colleague, an adult, an adult, a real yeah. live adult right. human being. So, great question, and, and we're we're gonna spend some time going through this, hopefully clearing up some things. Here's the question: How do you know when it's okay to leave a church? What are the roles of personal preference versus biblical issues, and what about when choosing a church? You know, no one has ever left a church I pastored. They've all
1: been so satisfied. They stayed forever. Okay, that's not true. I'm totally lying. You realize right.
0: the reason I have this gig is because two people who had it before me moved away. That's fair.
1: Good point. All right. So we're going to start over again. So how do we know <laughs> when it's okay to leave a church? So I want to start with, uh, rather than that, I want to start with what the church should look like. Uh, Acts two forty-two through 47 is very well known. I'm going to read it anyways, Uh, but it is, what I'd say, this is what the church should strive to look like. And so it says, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, This is talking about really devoted to God's word, to fellowship. That's the second thing. I think that's interesting, to relationship with one another. Uh, Breaking of bread and prayer, so that's not just communion, that's actually sharing meals together. Prayer. Prayer should be a part. All right, verse 43, and awe came upon every soul with many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So lives are being changed, if I could summarize that. And this having all things in common, this is actually doing life with people, like having common struggles and shared relationships and just really living life together, uh, yeah, together. And they were selling their possessions, verse 45, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's, I mean, that's a high level of commitment if you're giving of yourself, you're selling and giving that, right? Okay, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Uh, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So listen, this is not I go to the same church on Sundays as somebody else. This is a daily life together uh, in their homes and at the church, worshiping God, and God is blessing it and growing it. So a starting point, John, Cal- John Calvin, uh, you know, a Reformed hero of, of, of 500 years ago, called this the natural face of the church. This is what the church, transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, should look like. We're going to admit this is not what the church always looks like. And so I want to look at two things today. Does the church want to look like this? Are they striving to be this? And here's the catch. Do you, the Christian, the believer, thinking about, do I belong to this church or not? Do I leave this church or stay? Do I join this church or not? Are you looking at having this kind of level of biblical commitment? And does your church want this level of biblical commitment to one another? So that's a starting point. Here's this face of what the church should look like.
0: Yeah, so it's important at this point that we actually look into um, what does our relationship to the church look like? And the New Testament gives us a couple of different images of that. Uh, first one is from Ephesians 5, to 32. If you've never read this before... Or if you never got to the end of this, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's a twist at the end. You may not know what it has to do with the Stay church. Tuned. Spoiler alert. So, uh, five twenty-two to thirty-two. Wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here's the twist. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church.
1: So this is not just two guys saying, hey, this is what we really want at home from our <laughs> wives. This is a Bible passage about an image given to us about our relationship to the church. And it's, it's using marriage as a metaphor. Now, here's where the metaphor breaks down. In America, even within American Christianity today, we are poor with commitment, right? We're not good at commitment to churches, we're not even good in commitment to marriages. Marriages break up in Christianity, in the church, all the time for reasons that are not biblical. And so there's, an, uh, there's a starting point here. Now, I would say we all recognize that one of our highest levels of commitment is to a spouse. If we're married, or if we want to be married, if we've ever been married, we understand that the relationship between a man and a woman is one of our highest levels of commitment. The other would be, obviously, children. Uh, we need to see this as the biblical level of commitment between a husband and wife and recognize that what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus is about Christ and the church, that we should be that committed to the local
0: church. So that's that's one image. What's the other one? So, the other image is about a body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many we'll skip ahead a little bit. It talks about how, obviously, the hand can't do what the hand can do if it doesn't have the rest of the body, those kind of things. In verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then skipping ahead to verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it.
1: Yeah, there's a I know one part of our question today is like roles of personal preference versus biblical issues, and I just want you to imagine this church, right? And the image that we're given here in the New Testament by Paul to a church in Corinth, to a local church, right, is the image of a body, uh, a hand and a foot, uh, you know, eyes and 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 speech, and uh, yeah, all that that inter that interdependent relationship, right? You might be a hand. I think of a while you were reading it. I was thinking of like a, a center fielder. Uh, so that's a baseball reference, if you're listening, right? And a guy runs to catch a ball, and his hands—he's got really good hands. That's great. If he can't get there, that takes feet, legs, right? All these other things. You might have great hands, but unless you can't get—you know—if you, you can't get there, you can't catch. And so it requires this commitment of the whole body to get there. And so when I when I heard this, Jews or Greek, Caesar are free, like right? all were baptized to me, one body. I have to imagine that Jews and Greeks and slave and free all had different tastes and personal preferences, right? But somehow, inside of Christ, they found themselves in this one body, this local church, with so much in common that they work like a human body, like an anatomy, that this interdependent relationship of mutual self-giving and mutual need. And I think that's the image where we see commitment in marriage, we see in the body, we see... Not only a need, like I need you, but you need me, right? That we have to have this interdependent thing. So one place to start is if we're talking about church, it's not just what we take, but what we give, right? It's this mutual interdependence. I depend on you, you depend on me. Like a body, you know, like a hand is, you need the opposing thumb, but you also need the fingers or it's not opposing anything, right? You need something to grip. So yeah, so relationship
0: to one another. So could somebody read this passage and say, well, this is pertaining to the, the global church? Like, I, I am a Christian, and I, I don't necessarily attend a local church, but I support missions around the world or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, how do we know this is about the local church? That's a great question, and it's not just a question,
1: could a Christian say? Christians say this all the time, right? Well, I'm a part of the global church. I'm a part of Christ's body, whether that means globally, historically. that I would say this. You cannot fulfill any of these verses that Paul writes to local churches, because Paul isn't writing to me when he writes it, the global church. He's writing it to a church in Ephesus. He's writing it to a church in Corinth, right? And you cannot be mutually submissive like the marriage passage, submit to one another, wives submit to their husbands, blah, 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 right? Husbands love their wives like Christ. You can't love others, submit to one another globally. Like, I don't I don't submit to the church in Africa, or you know, have this mutual relationship with a church in, in, in Asia. It has to be a local church. We can only live this out with people that we know. We can't even, we can't even like uh, a lot of Christians today. Kind of, uh, um, I don't know what to call this, but they they'll go to a study with this church over here, and then on Sundays they hop around these four churches that they like, and you know, a women's thing over here and a men's thing over there, whatever. You can't even have that kind of relationship to plural churches, right? You really need to be invested in one to be a part of a body. It's impossible to be a part of the global church. You can only be a part—the only way you're a part of the global church is theologically. Like, it's true that you're a part of Christians everywhere, but you can't be committed and relational and interdependent with Christians everywhere. That has to be a local church and one local church body.
0: All right. So let's circle back to the question. We, we read what a church should look like, admitting that most don't. I'll fall short of that. And then we talked about two different images, uh, marriage and being part of a body. Here's the original question. How do you know when it's okay to leave a church? Right. What are the roles of personal preference versus biblical issues? And what about choosing a church? So if we just focus right now on ex- um, you're in a church right now, right. you're thinking of, of leaving, when is it okay to leave?
1: Yeah, so two things. Uh, Let's use those two images. You know, I'm gonna even back up. So Acts, let's just admit Acts 2, what Calvin calls the natural face of the church, what it should look like. This is what by nature of being church, meaning saved by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, ordained by God, all those things, that's what it should look like. But let's just admit it's not what it looks like, right? Generations Church does not look like Acts 2, 42 through 47, Maybe we have moments of it, glimpses of it, right? Things that go well, but we don't look like that all the time. And uh, here's what I would say is we're trying to look like it. Uh, literally, this Sunday night, we will wrap up uh, what we spent four months doing with about, um, I don't know, 50-ish people, 40, 50 people that have been studying the book of Acts, studying the church in Acts, and asking, okay, where where do we not line up with this? Where do we personally not look like this? Where do we as a church not look like this? Um, and so, generations does not look like it. We want to, but does your church want to look like a biblical church? That's a first question. And that's, you've got to parse out, not look like what I want it to look like, but does it look like that? Is it relational? Is it passionate about God's word? Does it pray together? I think that's huge, right? But then you've got to ask yourself the hard question, too, of do you want to look like that? Do you want to look like someone Who's willing to sell your own belongings to care for other people or to give a daily relationship to and a mutual submission to, commitment to one another? And so, uh, when is it okay to leave? Um, You gotta do some hard work first. When's it okay to leave a marriage? You know, when someone is, you know, repeatedly unfaithful or, or abusive or abandoned, right? I mean, those are the biblical reasons. You know, in the church, there are biblical reasons. You know, if the if the church is just idolatrous and off track, and it might be pursuing church growth, not pursuing the gospel, or false doctrine or, so, or something, but it can't just be a pet project, right? It has to be, do they truly want to look like a biblical church? And then do you truly want... If if you don't want that level of commitment, maybe you're the problem, not the church. And, and again, this is hypothetical, I don't know the situations, but... Yeah. Does it want to look like a biblical church, and do you want to look like a biblical Christian? If those two things are true, you can probably work it out.
0: Yeah, I think part of the, uh, the thought process, too, is thinking about your role in the church and, mm-hmm. and how you connect, how you fit in, like a marriage, like a, a body part. Are you constantly just pointing out shortcomings of the church, problems in the right. church, or are you part of the solution?
1: Absolutely. The other image is the body, right? And I was I, uh, I said this before we went on air... Uh, my dad just had a uh, a, a gallbladder removed, and uh, they my stepmom said that when it got, the doctor said that when it came out it was black, it was like diseased and really bad. Uh, he waited a little too long before he had the problem taken care of, and I mean, there's a time and a place where a, a body part has to go, right? And there's a time and a place where a marriage does end for biblical reasons, but they're rare. I think they're the exceptions, not the rule, and I think if we can get people together, like, hey, we really want the same things. Like a marriage, if I'm sitting with a couple, one of the first questions I ask in, a, in marriage counseling or a meeting with a couple, like, do you want this to work? Would you want this to look like this? If you do want it to work, I think there's a
0: lot you can do. What about the situation where uh, a pastor leaves? Like you mentioned um, abandonment, mm-hmm. right? And you were talking, I think, about the idea that maybe the church abandons you, like they don't, they don't call you up and, and try to invite you to different things, but... Sure. If a pastor leaves, is that a is that okay then to just walk away from the church and say I'm going to look somewhere else?
1: Yeah, that's and that's tough. I know this is done a lot, right? Uh, a pastor will leave, and so will the people. And because early in my ministry, um, I planted and restarted churches, I was around for about three years. So I planted, stayed for three years, handed off, went and restarted a church that was struggling and dying stayed for about three and a half years, and I handed it off. And then I restarted a church in Long Beach, right? And, and so here we are today, and I, I'm in a different circumstance where I feel like I'm gonna stay here for a long time. Um, but when I've left places, so have people. And, and, and here's what bothers me as a pastor. If you leave because I left, then my natural math says you were here for me and not necessarily for Jesus, right? And, and that's a problem. That's a problem for me as a pastor. I don't want people here for me I don't even want people here for the things that I do well or the things I don't do well, whatever else. But it truly has to be about Jesus. And, and if you're here at Generations for Jesus, I hope you like me. I hope we, you know, whatever. I hope that, you know, I contribute. But I hope that it's bigger than me. I hope your relationship to the church is stronger than your relationship to me personally. So I think when a pastor leaves is not a good reason. Um, now, what if a new pastor comes in and is way off track I've got bigger questions there like well, how did that leadership choose that pastor or how you know what were you a part of or whatever but no, it shouldn't be about the pastor or the worship leader or the carpet color or the you know pews versus chairs or whatever else right It can't be about a single issue like that
0: all right so looking at our role in a church right it's not just about sitting in the, the sanctuary and listening to the pastor and listening to the music. We should be involved. We should be part of the body. We've talked before about uh, the importance of a church in a community, right? And I've I've heard this question asked, if your church was to cease to exist, would the community miss it? Would it be a loss for the community? I think we should take that into account when we're looking at our own activity in the church. If I'm a part of the church, if I'm a part of the body, if I were to leave... Would it leave a hole mm. in the church? Would I be missed, or am I just a spectator?
1: Yeah, I, I think of two things right there. One, when Generations was in the city of La Salle, uh, Los Alamitos, if you're not local, um, we were embedded in the city, like city events. We helped fund them, volunteered at them. And then it was about three years in, Generations was about six years old, and about half the time in Los Alamitos. And then, and then three years ago, we bought this property and remodeled and got working in it and started to work with the city and then covid hit and, and we've not found that same kind of rhythm when we found property in Cerritos and we couldn't find prop- property in Los Al and we said we were leaving the city like the city itself like uh, you know mayor and city council and uh, park and recs like they actually miss us and they were lamenting the fact that we were leaving the city I also think of people that have moved away. We live in Southern California. If you're listening, wherever you are, and you're not in Southern California, um, people leave California all the time for other states. And there are some people that have left, that have left holes. I just mean like they were huge parts of the church, elders, volunteers, just re- you know regular everyday attenders that were just super committed to the church. And we miss them. Some people leave, and you barely... You barely notice, right? Well, oh, I didn't even know they left. What happened? You know, that kind of thing. And and if you're not involved and you're not that level of engagement, uh, maybe that's
0: part of the problem.
1: Maybe that's why we're having this conversation of your relationship to the church.
0: Nice. And I I like the fact that with this question brings the idea of this is a serious question. It's a serious decision. Um, So if you're going to leave a church, there's some biblical reasons why, but there's also a lot of reasons that people give that aren't biblical, so we want to make sure that that you know why you're leaving and if it's a good reason. But we also need to look into if you're leaving a church and you're looking for a new church, or even if you've just moved and you're looking for a new church, uh, what should people be looking for and and should their personal preferences play a role or is there something bigger and deeper?
1: You know, and you and I were talking as we prepped for this, and again, I'm not the most politically correct person, so I'm going to say it the way I say it, but I'm going to put a caveat in front of it. When I talk to a couple that's dating or people looking to, you know, get married, I always tell them, listen, man, everybody out there is crazy. Now, I don't mean mentally ill. I mean, we're all zany. I mean, we're all, we all have our flaws, right? And I just tell them, listen, if you're a guy, you know, all the women out there, they're crazy, but so are you. You're crazy too, right? Like you're all flawed. You have to choose the kind of crazy you can live with for the rest of your life, right? And so what I mean by that is we're all sinful. We're all selfish. We're all broken. None of us are perfect you have to choose the type of imperfect you can live with for the rest of your life. In the case of marriage, raise a family, buy a home, do whatever. Church is the same way. You've got to choose an imperfect church because there are no perfect churches, right? We're all sinful. We're all flawed. We all have holes, but you got to choose the kind of crazy you can live with for the rest of your life. Like you should be able to commit to a church for the rest of your life. That should be a thing. You should be able to choose a church you can raise a family in, right? And Yeah, unless you move out of state or something major happens, you should think of your your church family as being like a marriage, like you're covenantly committed to that body of people. And so, you know, I always tell, you know, a member of a church should attend Sunday, belong to something smaller where they can get to know people, whether that's life groups, community groups, missional communities, whatever you do, you should give financially. You should be able to trust your church, give financially, tithe, whatever serve. You should be able to give of your time and your gifts to that church. And your church should be outward focused. They should be reaching out of the community. If you can do those things, attend, belong, give, search, reach, right? If you can do those five things, and this is a church committed to the gospel, God's word, prayerful, you know, and it fits. When you're dating, like dating, dating, right? You can pick what color hair you like. Well, you can pick those personal preferences as well. As long as they're a biblical church, if, they, if they're if they doing those things and you can give to it, man, that's probably a church that you can be
0: with for a long time. Great. We're going to wrap it up there. I love the, uh, the just the idea of thinking of your relationship to church as a marriage. Yeah. And it, it's not just about trying a bunch of different sodas and picking your your favorite and then saying, if I don't like it later, I'll just switch. It's about making that commitment, that lifelong commitment of, yeah. I want to be a part of this, and if I move, then I move, but if I'm going to stay in this community, this is where I'm going to worship and serve. Great. We want to thank you for listening. Again, if you have questions you'd like to add to our our, uh, list of episodes coming up, questions at generations.email. Wherever you get your podcast from, we'd like you to to share it with others, uh, to like it, subscribe to it, and uh, we will release another one next Tuesday, and we hope that God will bless you in this upcoming week.